Thanks. Hello and welcome to the Healthcare Questions Show. I'm your host, Dr. Kendrick Johnson. I'm a family physician and healthcare CEO on a mission to replace the broken sick care system with a healthcare system that truly cares and truly brings health. On this show, we ask the tough questions about how we can change the healthcare system and our culture to make ourselves and our community healthier. This show is sponsored by Arc Family Health, where you can see your provider within a day of for urgent needs. You can call, text, or email your provider, all for about as much as your cable bill. There are no copays, and we spend as much time as you need. Check out arcfamilyhealth.com for more details. You can see our two locations in Peoria and Gilbert. You can meet uh, PA Will Craighead, who is here with me in the studios, and um, and uh, get your healthcare needs taken care of. So today we have uh, we have some questions that have been filtering in about COVID-19 and vaccinations. So um, we wanted to open up the phone lines today. Um, you can call in at 602-277-KFNX. That's 602-277-5369. And if you have a question about COVID-19 and the and the vaccines and this uh, this new news about the Johnson Johnson vaccine, uh, please please call in and let's talk about it. Now, um, the caveat is, uh, Will, are you are you an epidemiologist, virologist by chance? Uh, I've been attempting to be over the last <laughs> six months, uh, but no, I cannot claim any type of certification for virology or epidemiology. Yeah, so, so and I'm a family physician, and um, so that's part of what we want to talk about is the fact that uh, we're getting a lot of information from experts, quote unquote experts, that, that really aren't experts in the field of virology, epidemiology, uh, vaccine science, public health. And so we want to talk about uh, where you can get your information. And again, uh, like we're not the experts here on the on the subject matter, but I think that we can have an important conversation about where to find good information. And so, so that's what we want to have questions about. If you have questions about, uh, you know, getting the vaccination, uh, you know, the risks that are involved, the the uh, things that are coming out about the Johnson Johnson vaccine then uh, call in, we'll talk about it. We may not have all the answers and the answers that we do have may not be perfect, right? That's right, we're having a conversation uh, which is all too infrequent, I believe, nowadays, unfortunately. Yeah, so let's let's start off just uh, with the, the news that the Johnson Johnson vaccination is, uh, is being paused here in the United States. So um, what, do we, what do we know about that? Well, uh, again, as a non-expert, what I know about it is that the main concern is that there have been six people who have had a rare blood clot due to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine or that appears to be caused by the Johnson & Johnson vaccination. Um, and so the question is, should we be really worried if we're one of the six million people that got the vaccination um, should we be concerned about the other vaccines because of this uh, of this new information about the uh, Johnson Johnson vaccination and so 
just well have you heard have you heard people talking about this what are people what are people not experts what are people saying to you about um about this news about the johnson johnson vaccine to be honest with you, I've been working in the emergency department 12-hour shifts the last few days, so I haven't had a chance to really do he's much like, other He's than like, what work. news? What, what are you talking news? about? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there hasn't been a ton of discussion in my uh, immediate circles, and I certainly haven't seen any patients with this uh, issue in the ER, um, but I, I've heard whisperings of it, and I'm, I've just been looking into it in the last day or two. So, so, so what I'm hearing from people is that I – you know, I've heard several people who have changed their, uh, they've changed their vaccination appointment um, or canceled their vaccination appointment, uh, both before and after we actually paused the whole vaccine. And, um, and, then, and then just some people feeling more concerned, like, uh, why are we rolling out these vaccinations if, uh, if there is potential safety concerns? And so the the thing that I think is important for us to remember here is the relative risk that we're talking about. So when when we're talking about these six people who have unfortunately had a, a very serious complication um, from the vaccination or purportedly from the vaccination, you know the the question is how does how does that change how we should feel about getting this vaccination. And if if we're talking about how many people out of a million, you know, it's it's one person in a million who have received the vaccination who have gotten this uh, gotten this complication. So um, one in a million. Well, what is what does that number sound like to you? Does it sound like a too many? Does it sound like uh, too little? What do you think? It sounds uh, very, very uh, low to me. If, to put it in kind of respect, perspective, right? That's less. That's less than six people in the state of Arizona. If you were to just to boil it down to, let's say, the entire state of Arizona got vaccinated, mm -hmm. vaccinated, excuse me, with the Johnson Johnson specifically, that would be less than uh, seven people in the, in, in in the Arizona. And this reminds me of the time that we had Stephen Koss on the show. He was the author of the book called The Fever of 1721. Mm -hmm. And and just to recap that story, in 1721, there was an epidemic of smallpox. And there was this new idea introduced into the community about this procedure called inoculation. And inoculation was a procedure where you put some cuts in uh, in somebody's skin and you rubbed some smallpox into those cuts. Sounds pretty crazy, right? Yep. To to rub a deadly illness, some pus from a deadly illness into into your open wound. At that time, it seemed probably like lunacy. Like, what are you doing? You're going to kill yourself doing this. Yeah, and and actually, the the doctor who was who was one of the main proponents of it was. There, there were calls for trying him for murder, mm -hmm. and there were, you know, people were just calling him the worst of things. They're thrown into his house, mm -hmm. and so it was, a, it was a really, a really big controversy, mm -hmm. you know. And, and then as the dust settled after this epidemic passed, they looked at the people who got inoculated versus the people who didn't get inoculated. And the people who got inoculated were uh, were somewhere around one in a hundred uh, had a chance of dying from the inoculation. Hmm. 
And so, so that sounds pretty bad, except for the fact that almost everybody else in town got the virus and were, and half of those people were killed by it. Mm-hmm. So that is, um, you know, that uh, the odds for the people who got the inoculation were much lower, even though it was not a safe procedure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, compared to one in a million, you know, that one in 100 risk of mm-hmm. getting inoculated was much higher, just so much higher. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, um, in in retrospect, the the benefit outweighed the the risks of doing it. So it's uh, it's a, I think an important conversation for us to to always go back to do the risks outweigh the benefits. And we'll talk more about that after the break. You're listening to 1100 KFNX, the Pulse of Arizona. Hello, welcome back to Healthcare Questions Show. I'm Dr. Kendrick, and I have Dr. Will, er, Will Craighead here in the studio with me. And uh, we are talking about COVID-19 vaccination and some of the concerns that are uh, that are floating around out there, and what we can what we can say respectfully in this conversation to each other. So, I've been one of the one of the reasons that I've wanted to do this show is because I've been getting a bunch of videos. I mean, for the whole last year, I've been getting videos sent to me by patients, friends, etc. You know, hey, check out this expert. What do you think about this guy's expert opinion? Mm-hmm. And the most recent video that I got is a video from a, a guy named uh, Dr. Ryan Cole in uh, in Idaho. He's a pathologist, and and this is somebody that I've actually sent pathology work to for years. Um, and so it was uh, it was interesting to see you know one of these videos come through from somebody I I know about, mm. and he's a very intelligent guy. And uh, and in his video, he basically uh, goes through all of the reasons that he thinks there are problems with our public health and our scientific institutions, and why there's not good information coming out of them and then he moves over to his recommendations on what we should be doing which for him the most important things he wanted to tell people is that everybody needs to be supplementing with vitamin d and everybody should be taking ivermectin um, which is one of the one of the drugs that has been investigated for for covid 19 but has never been endorsed by the nih or the fda um, as an effective and safe treatment. So, so when I saw this video, you know, my, my first thoughts are, yeah, here's another smart guy, probably one of the smarter guys that has been outspoken, mm-hmm. um, critical of the, of the uh, COVID-19 response in general. And, um, and he has uh, he states a, a bunch of numbers, and so just listening to him as um, as a non physician, I would think, wow, you know, he's a really smart guy with a bunch of numbers that say that you know if you if you read between the lines, basically says that you know the government 
is trying to kill you they're <laughs> you know is that what he says? <laughs> not not okay. in those words but he's but he's basically saying you know that uh, you can't trust the government here here's the real facts trust me gotcha and um, you can't trust your, you know, the major scientific institutions. Here are the real facts. Trust me. For, for our viewers, I haven't watched this video, so we're, we're, we are relying right now on Dr. Kendrick's yeah. <laughs> analysis of the video alone. Right. <laughs> right. So, and, and I hope that, uh, I hope that uh, Dr. Cole hears this and uh, comes on the show sometime. But, uh, but the, the question that people are, are posing to me as they send this video to me is, is basically... Hey, did you know about this? What they're saying is, um, did you know that you know we're being lied to? Did you know that um, there's this big cover up? Mm-hmm. Um, and not that Dr. Cole necessarily was was claiming there was a conspiracy, sure. but uh, but people are freaked out because this video was taken down. You know, it, it can't be up on Facebook. It can't be up on on YouTube because of the the censorship and and so the um the the question is basically you know like uh, are you know should i be listening to this guy um and and actually usually the people are just saying hey you should be listening to this guy you know he seems really smart you should be listening to him too yeah. and my response is yes he's, he seems very intelligent he's made a good argument however he is a pathologist who spends most of his day looking at slices of moles that I send him. And he does not spend most of his day studying virology or epidemiology or public health. Mm-hmm. And so when, when he comes out and, and talks about himself as an expert, I think, yeah, he's a smart guy and he knows about disease, but is he really an expert in the subject matter? And um, and I think that that's that's questionable, and that's that's why I think I, I wanted to go out of the way to say I'm not an expert in this area, even though I've been studying science for like 15 years now. Mm-hmm. I'm not an expert on virology, and I'm not an expert on bi- vaccine science, and that's why I don't believe that even if I read the the studies to be you know for or against the vaccine that it's necessarily my opinion you should be taking. Mm -hmm. So I I, saw your eyes light up when I said something about censorship. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, and I think that's another part of this that really is not being addressed to the public that catches the public eye in my opinion. I I, I hear people talking about it. I certainly am concerned by the idea that uh, a lot of big tech is starting to censor um, these opinions being put out there. Um, You know, I can understand both sides of the argument uh, mm-hmm. to, to a great extent. I, I can understand why they don't want to be somewhat held somehow liable for the opinions of some of others. But um, I do believe there needs to be a, a dialogue had on these topics, and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't quite feel like a high degree of freedom when someone gets on uh, their platform, let's say, and, and tries to endorse a, a non-traditional opinion, let's say, like Dr. Cole. I didn't even realize he was taken down, but I, I haven't seen the video either. I have no idea what he said. But that, that I think, what ends up happening is to the public, it can reek of something uh, something under the surface that mm-hmm. is not wanting to be shown. And then Absolutely. I think it really just starts to feed into uh, if there are some people out there who believe in some conspiracy-type ideologies, which I don't really like that term anyways because it starts to stigmatize people who have 
just non-traditional thoughts, right? This is coming from a <laughs> card-carrying conspiracy theorist. <laughs> <laughs> therapist. I like card. I like conspiracy therapist. <laughs> Whatever. No, no. I, I think I think that's not a. A lot of times, it's a tr- it's a difficult term to put on people because then all the, it makes them seem right off the bat as if they don't have a a valid opinion right. or, or viewpoint, exactly. whereas that hasn't been dug into yet. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that really just kind of doesn't serve the discussion when they get removed right away without any kind of actual debate or discussion. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about this this morning, actually, because I posted this morning on Facebook, I posted, hey, I want some questions about censorship, COVID-19 vaccination, and, uh, and concerns about the public response to COVID-19. And... I uh, I only got uh, like three comments or something like that on that, mm-hmm. and and nobody liked it. Nobody, it looked like nobody saw it, <laughs> and and I don't know. You know, maybe it was the day. Maybe it was I'm I'm becoming less popular. But last like two weeks ago, I posted a very similar post that said, "Hey, I've got a radio show today, and I I want some questions about the healthcare system," mm. and like. 50 comments or something on that post. Um, and so, you know, it's hard for me to believe that there was less interest or less questions about, you know, the the vaccination and COVID-19 mm-hmm. than there was, you know, a couple of weeks ago about healthcare system in general. So so what, what I think probably happened is that because m- there was text that mm-hmm. said uh, censorship and COVID-19, that the algorithm of Facebook probably dampened that post. I don't know, yeah. you know. You, but, have, you have no way to objectify, objectively verify that because they're not going to share that data with right, you. Right, exactly. Which is part of the issue here, right, is like they, they don't have to, obviously, either because mm-hmm. they're, public, they're a private institution. Their algorithms are their own intellectual property. Yeah. They don't have any, uh, uh, they don't have any, um, reason to share it with you as an individual uh, or even corporations, but it's something we should be talking about, I think. Yeah, and I think I think that we should have a whole show on that. <laughs> right, um, and I we should And we should get maybe, an, we dig up an actual expert somewhere. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, and, um, but but the part of the question that, uh, that I think that should be addressed is because there is censorship, I mean, it is censorship for yep. sure, yep. Um, does that mean that the person's argument was valid in right. the first place? You know, is right. is censorship itself actually a, an evidence of validity of the of the argument that was being made? Right, that's the question, and I don't know. That needs to be the discussion that's happening because um, it means something, but we need to find out what that means. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was thinking when I was in college, I had a, I directed the all the music for a local cafe that we had live music and we had we would do open mics there too Mm -hmm. and i was thinking you know if i if i did this open mic in that cafe and there was people coming in uh with a harmful message you know hateful hateful words and things like that things that i thought would do harm would i have censored it would i have said you know hey you guys you guys gotta leave right and and somewhere between there and Facebook, you know, there's a question mm. of is this a, is this a public place or is this somebody's website 
that uh, is this right. Mark Zuckerman's you know website mm-hmm. that he wants to keep it in a certain way, yeah. and um, and he doesn't want you know this this type of information to be the main co- topic of conversation. So we'll uh, we'll get more to that uh, as we come back from the show. Uh, you've been listening to 1100 KFNX, the Pulse of Arizona, and the Healthcare Question Show. Hi, and welcome back to the Healthcare Question Show. This is Dr. Kendrick, and I'm here with uh, Will Craighead, and we are taking your questions at 602-277-KFNX. That's 602-277-5369. So feel free to call in and ask questions about how we can think better about this COVID-19 vaccination and uh, what we should do from here. So we we had some questions that uh, came in from social media, and we'll get to them in a second. But... I have a question for you, Will. Okay. Um, this is an opportunity for you to give us a made-up statistic. Perfect. We just have to call you out after I'm, you do it. I'm good at those. Okay. So what were the odds that the the public health response to COVID-19 would have been free of bias? What were the odds that it would be free of bias? Yeah. So w- were there was there a was there a possibility that you know we would have had this pandemic sprung on us, mm-hmm. and then the response from our government and from the scientific community would have been perfect? Absolutely not. <laughs> the, the, the reality the odds is, are zero. Yes, the odds are zero. <laughs> the, the reality is, even in medicine, and I I am still learning this uh, as I've been practicing for four years that you. Even in medicine, there's conflicting opinions. That's why we're constantly studying things. We're constantly trying to get down to the closest version of the truth that we can. Um, you know, in, in Europe, for instance, uh, if you get an appendicitis in Europe, you might get a very different treatment course than you would in the United States. And both of, uh, both of our civilization, both of our countries have uh, and, and, and uh, um, uh, uh, continents, we have different uh, Experts that yeah. will recommend different things, right. um, and is one or the other the better option? Well, it, it's hard to drill down to exactly what the truth is there, but so probably one is right. right. I hope you would think so, but but from our perspective here, yeah. it becomes very difficult for you know two guys like us sitting in a studio right. to come to the ultimate truth on which one of those is right. Correct, and then good luck trying to get the American surgeons to buy into the fact that they don't need to do surgery on appendicitis when they've been doing it for the past 50 years or 100 years or however long they've been doing it Mm -hmm. versus then saying, okay, let's try and just try some antibiotics instead. Yeah. So I think there's a couple of different pieces of that. One is, is the data clear? And two is, even if the data is clear, can you convince the people doing it Mm. that it is clear or that that it's that that's really the case and then i guess maybe the third level would be you know can we convince the public right yeah i think to convince the public you'd first have to be able to convince the experts or at least a good proportion of the expert right. experts uh, one of my favorite uh, scientists richard feynman uh he's he, so cool yeah he's he's fantastic anybody who hasn't listened to or uh, heard from richard feynman please look him up uh, he's a nobel prize uh, uh winner in physics and uh, one of his quotes that really just shocked me uh, and, and i also it resonates with me is uh, he said science is the belief in the ignorance of the experts 
<laughs> I love Science that. is the belief in the ignorance of the experts. And that kind of is, a, is a, obviously a big dichotomy there between ignorance and experts. But the idea is that, look, we have to be challenging uh, uh, the idea of who holds the best opinion, uh, because if we, if we hadn't challenged that in the beginning, we wouldn't have the idea of a vaccination to begin with, right? We wouldn't, we wouldn't have been able to really see the benefits of, uh, of, of uh, inoculation in the smallpox mm -hmm. discussion we had earlier. Right. So, so I guess what we've established is that there are, there are a couple different layers. You know, we got to first figure out, we got to first get data, and, and the data needs to be good. And then we got to interpret the data. And I think that it is in the interpretation where, you know, our discussion earlier on the, the pathologist in Idaho mm -hmm. is, is where it comes to question. You know, I, I, he gave a, a logical interpretation of the data as far as I could see. Mm -hmm. But again, who, who is he? You know, is, right. he, is, his, uh, is his lone man interpretation comparable, better, worse than these teams of scientists at Johns Hopkins University, for example. Right. And, uh, and why is he coming up with a different, a different uh, yeah. response? Yeah, and all of us are gonna see a ton of data within our lifetime, and at the end of the day, we're all also going to be, um, going to be in the position where we have to make a decision based on the data. And we won't have perfect data, but and we won't have a perfect even understanding of what's going on. But um, realistically, at the end of the day, the risks and benefits of what we do uh, are, are ours to make. The, the, the decision to go forward with a particular treatment option is, is uh, our, ours to make. Absolutely, yeah. So, and then that, that brings us to this question I got on Facebook from Lori, she says, uh, when none of the vaccinations are FDA approved nor tested for even a year's time, how could we trust that there will not be more harm in the future than the benefit given now? And and the uh, the the answer is, of course, that we don't know. Right. We we cannot tell for sure that this vaccination will have greater benefit in the long run than harm. Right. And, and that's kind of the whole purpose of science, as you were saying, is we don't know the answers. Mm -hmm. We are trying to figure them out. And we are making our best recommendations based on the evidence that we do have. Mm -hmm. so, so I guess the answer to that question is we don't know right. if getting the vaccination right now is going to hurt you or if it's going to help you. We can make some really good educated guesses mm -hmm. and when you start off with the you know just the just the first trial of you know let's say the Pfizer vaccine with 30,000 participants 15,000 getting a placebo 15,000 getting the vaccine mm -hmm. when when we give a vaccine to 15,000 people and we have virtually no side effects, you know, mm -hmm. virtually no dangerous side effects. There, there are some, there are some risks. There's mm -hmm. always going to be risk, but, um, but when we're comparing the likelihood of, of the disease harming somebody, mm -hmm. you know, those, those risks are, are very low, at least in that 15,000 group. And so we know that in a short time period, that it is extremely likely that the vaccine is more likely to help you than to harm you because the risk of harm is so, so low. Mm -hmm. 
So what about uh, what about the long-term period, which is what Lori is asking about? Yeah, that's a good question. Again, you know, Lori, we don't have a, a perfect answer. No one does. And that's part of the science we're trying to uh, drill down to. I think what it really ends up being is um, I, I think there has to be a degree of wisdom there, too, uh, in my opinion, um, which which does definitely deserves some further discussion by the quote unquote experts, right? You mean your opinion deserves further? Yes, further my opinion. By the yeah. experts. Okay. Well, let me going. buy <laughs> one of the part of part of the issue too is I can already tell you what long term, or I can tell you what I believe that many of the uh, Pfizer stockholders will say about long term efficacy, and they will probably say that it's great, but mm -hmm. they don't really know, right? Right. They're incentivized by their holding uh, Pfizer stock, let's say, for instance, um, but. Um, Realistically, I think we all just need to ask ourselves, okay, coronaviruses have been around a long time, um, and this one, this particular one is different because none of us have antibodies to it. Um, they've been around a long time, and the mRNA vaccine is new. That's a discussion to be had there too. Is say, okay, long-term from getting a, a new type of vaccination or, or uh, um, therapy versus um, a virus that's been around a long time, you can argue in that perspective, if I'm, if, I'm take, if I'm taking that side of the argument that you could say, well, I'll take my chances with the uh, COVID virus, COVID uh, infection, and to see how I do with that. Now, someone who maybe is less prone to, want, or who, who would maybe have a higher risk of, of bad outcomes or uh, morbidity, mortality from getting COVID itself would rather argue maybe that I, I'd rather take my chances with the the vaccine. Um, I would say often elderly people or those who are immunocompromised may have more that um, that um, uh, perspective saying like, look, I don't want to get COVID. And so mm -hmm. far the vaccine showing that uh, people who get the vaccine are less likely to have uh, at least short-term harm, mm -hmm. long-term harm they're not, we're not sure about, but at least in the long-term it seems to be better. Um, whereas someone who's previously healthy and young may say, I don't want to risk in the, in the course of my life, having some kind of issue long-term rather either from the virus itself or from the vaccine, but they just have to ask themselves, which would I rather live with long-term harm from a potential vaccine or long-term harm from a potential COVID uh, infection? Yeah. And we'll talk more about that when we get back from the break about how the, how the risks compare and and what we what we know about the risks and, and what we can guess about the risks. So this is the Healthcare Questions Show on 1100 KFNX, the Pulse of Arizona. Hello, welcome back to the Healthcare Questions Show. I'm Dr. Kendrick here in the studio with Will Craighead. And we have been talking about the COVID-19 vaccination and the relative risk of getting the vaccination versus not getting the vaccination. And so we've we have heard from uh, from both sides of the argument that uh, you know that the other side is really dangerous, and um, and so one of the things that we wanted to get out before the end of this show is is the idea that we are all trying to work together towards something that is positive and good. Now I, I'm not trying to say that like there's not evil people in the world that sure. are that have uh that have uh are trying to get you know their mm -hmm. uh, trying to get rich off of this and and other things i think that there are people who want uh, to control other people just for the sake of control but i don't think that that is the neighbor that you're talking to mm. and i don't think that that is um the driving force in this conversation yeah. um even though it feels like a 
battle between good and evil, you know, mm-hmm. pick your side and the other side's evil. I think that the real battle between good and evil that's going on is that being kind to other people and respectful is for sure good. Yes. And <laughs> yelling and being angry at other people and um and you know shaming other people yeah. is is for sure bad, right? I would I would 100% agree. I will use a statistic here. I 100% agree. <laughs> you feel with confident you. with yeah, 100%, 100% yeah. statistic. Yeah, the idea of stigmatizing someone for their decision uh, we've only seen from history is often a bad idea if it's a reasonable decision, of course, mm-hmm. right? Like if somebody's making what they feel like is the right decision for their life uh, in their own health, which is supposed to be a very private matter as well, which is something we ought to address. Um, there is reason to, I mean, you can always voice concern, but to stigmatize a group for, let's say, getting the vaccine or deciding not to get the vaccine mm-hmm. um, is something where we should be careful of uh, in even the discourse of public health, because in a free society, we should all have the ability to make that decision for ourselves. Yeah. So, and and I want to be clear here that my one of my main goals for today was to help people feel comfortable getting the vaccine if they are worried about getting the vaccine because even though there is we don't know for sure Mm -hmm. what the final answer is on your particular risk and whether or not for you for your age group for your gender for you as an individual you are more likely to get hurt by this versus helped by it the odds are overwhelmingly large that you will not be hurt by it. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've done a lot of research compared to the other kinds of research that get done in medicine. You know, so what's interesting about this is some of the same people that were in my office, you know, saying, I really need an antibiotic for this, this, you know, cold that I have. Some of those people are are some of the same ones who are saying you know don't put this chemical in my body mm-hmm. because it's it's really dangerous and the and the fact is that everything that we do in medicine is dangerous the antibiotic is for sure dangerous mm-hmm. um, and you should not be getting an antibiotic if you don't need it because it is way more likely to hurt you than help you um, and the and the stakes here on this vaccination appear to be on orders of scale lower than on even getting an antibiotic. You know, mm-hmm. there's um, getting an antibiotic that you don't need is, is uh, appears to be much more dangerous than uh, getting the vaccination from the data that we have uh, now. You have a question here. Uh, where's the data? To- <laughs> I was just going to try and help us keep, you know, keep true to our rules because I know our viewers are anxious to hear the data because uh, uh-huh. that is some pretty impressive data. Uh, and uh, I, I can, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'll just turn back over to you. <laughs> well, I am, uh, I, I am confident that um, that the most important part of this discussion is going to be whether or not we can get back to a normal society. We can get back to uh, working together um, and uh, spending time together and uh, showing concern for other people. Um, I'm confident that that is more important than any other 
part of this discussion mm-hmm. um, in the sense that um, that even if the even if in the long term you know the data appears different than it does now then the most important thing that was that was ever going to happen was for us to live and uh, and have a meaningful life uh, and and right now one of the things that appears most likely to help us get back to that is um, is getting a COVID-19 vaccination um, and and I am uh, 100% uh, in agreement with your point that that this needs to be a decision that is taken by each, each individual mm-hmm. and nobody should uh, be able to force us to get a needle stuck into our body mm-hmm. um, but I chose to and uh, and I would uh, I would recommend um, being more skeptical of the people who are um, are telling you that this is a very dangerous thing because I have not seen data that will suggest that. Got it. And uh, one of the things that I would like to address with those who are maybe feeling less confident in it, it that it's okay that you feel less confident, but to look into it to use your use your uh, decision-making capacity not to blow it off as some um, it's got to be a hundred percent bad but to keep an open mind and I and I say that to both sides even right and keep that an, keep an open mind and, and we have to again destigmatize the, the conversation and try to be as objective as possible when, when addressing these types of things because it's become too too readily political and both sides of the conversations are in their own little echo chambers and right. unwilling, I think, to talk to each other. And that's where a lot of this conflict, I think, arises. Yeah, and and that's been all throughout this show is this, uh, this idea that because you feel good about a certain group that you affiliate with, then you you may not want to discount every piece of information that comes from the group that your group is historically in opposition to. Right. And, and that's what I feel like is happening a lot. You know, it's like, uh, because, you know, conservatives today somehow have been aligned with the idea of, um, of anti-vaccination. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, most conservatives Mm -hmm. are anti-vaccination but um but on you know on the media you know you're Mm -hmm. you're thinking of anti-vaccination as being associated with a you know with a conservative idea and the opposite you know with a with a more liberal um idea and and the reality is that this is this has nothing to do with politics Mm -hmm. um there is data that is available for for everybody and and we all I have the opportunity to choose for ourselves mm-hmm. um, which uh, what the data says and not just you know which which way am I supposed to believe because you know of the of the group that I'm historically affiliated with right and I think regardless of which side of the uh, the vaccine conversation you're on or uh, which standpoint you have one of the best things we can do for ourselves and encourage our family members to do is and friends is to get in the best shape possible right even if you get the vaccine that's no excuse to not to to ignore what you're eating that's no excuse to decide that you're no longer going to work out or take care of your body uh, just as just as if you were um, 
uh, doing a good job taking care of your body and not wanting to consider even vaccination. Um, They both play a role. And I think that's something we need to be talking about more in the public health sphere. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's clear that we could have been a lot healthier through this pandemic Mm -hmm. if we took better care of ourselves. And uh, so let's let's uh, be good to ourselves. So you've been listening to the Healthcare Question Show, uh, sponsored by Arc Family Health. And you can find us at arcfamilyhealth.com. You're listening to 1100 KFNX, The Pulse of Arizona. The information and opinions you hear on this radio show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of KFNX.